Welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, we have Alex Friedman, badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado. Today, we're going to be furthering our Wrestling with Biomechanics series, and we're just talking about takedowns off the feet. We know that, obviously, the wrestlers in us, that's our background, but some of the jiu-jitsu listeners... Uh, we've we've had some messages with some of the listeners and takedowns aren't really emphasized in their gyms um, or or they're just kind of neglected, at, at least some of the places down by me, the people I've talked to in, in Arizona. So and we want to go over just some basic takedowns, biomechanics of that, some different things, strength and conditioning wise you can do on your own or with your trainer. And on top of that, what are some common injuries that go along with if you're shooting the takedown or if you get taken down? So Alex, what are your favorite takedowns? Oh, man. I mean, good old blast double. I mean, that's uh, that's always a fun one. And then also is going to rag on me for going boring again. But uh, blast doubles always feel good. Um, ankle picks are fun, and you can ankle pick from just about anywhere. So that's uh, that's versatile. Um, I don't know. I've been having a lot of fun hitting inside trips on people. Um, Dude, I've been lighting up the world with inside trips recently. It's, I don't know, it, again, it kind of exposes how ignored takedowns are in jiu-jitsu. And I understand that they're not the heavy, most heavily emphasized thing. But if I'm rolling jiu-jitsu and somebody stands up with me, it's like, it's like they just got me a Christmas present. It's like, oh, <laughs> yes, please. Let's, let's go for takedowns. Well, what I like when I like rolling, if, if I am rolling with one of our guys as a background jiu-jitsu is like, if I'm on the feet, that means immediately that I know I get to pick where I as dumb yeah. like it, it sounds stupid to say, but if we're on the feet, I know I can land at full guard, half guard, side control. It doesn't matter. They don't. They they can't stop me. Now, when I get there, I'm fucked. <laughs> but I get to land where I want to land. And if somebody has that background in jujitsu as well, that's where the wrestling game kind of takes over. I think is because it allows you to control not just if you want to stay on the feet or on the ground in MMA, but it allows you to control where you end up on the ground, which I think is a very overlooked part. Yeah. And I mean, that's the, that's the key to pretty much any wrestling component within MMA or within jujitsu is, is the ability to dictate the next position, right? Is that that's key because that can enhance your tactical game or it can be a, you know, a favor to your opponent, but the more you can control the position, the more you can control the offense and defense and what you choose to do. That's why, um, like in jujitsu on the feet, the people don't feel as threatened if you take their back or if you get, um, Mm -hmm. behind them, like through a duck under or something like this one, it's like, but they don't realize you're like just one step away from having their back on the ground at that point, you know, like, (laughs) yeah. So you know, duck unders, pull throughs, all that's really slick, um, type of stuff to get the back from a standing position. Well, and that's what I've kind of noticed coaching MMA wrestling is that it's, it's a lot harder for these guys that don't come from a wrestling background to get takedowns. Once you take the back too. like, yeah. it's, I mean, that's for the most part, that's a large part of cage wrestling, but yeah. for whatever reason, and obviously the cage is an artificial wall, right? That that's a yeah. barrier. But even in the open, w- uh, we see a lot of guys that have trouble trying finishing takedowns. Once they get the back, they, playing with the ups, the downs, playing with the lefts mm-hmm. and rights, playing with, playing with the rotation. They, they don't understand that there's three directions that you can mess with instead of just focusing on one. Like a lot of people either just try to lift yeah. or they just try to sag. And you, well, you got to understand there's three ways. Well, that's where you got to do everybody's favorite mat return drill, where it's just put somebody down, stand back up, put somebody down, stand back up. Like that is, again, one of the most sufferable drills that there is in a wrestling room. But yes. 
it teaches you a hell of a lot because when you fight somebody good or when you wrestle somebody good, they're going to pop right back to their feet. They're not going to just, you know, get put on the mat and lay there. Right. But you learn a lot of different ways to, to get people down and what's more efficient, you know, the, uh, the lift with kind of the leg sweep where you knock their body sideways for lack of better terms or bring them down. That's, I think that's a skill that every MMA athlete should have, not just wrestlers. Um, but, but I'm going to pause you right ahead. there, but I think, so I, I like where you're going with this. The lift is fucking super important. And that's what we're talking about with takedowns. But I think what completely gets overlooked is you need to be the first one to lead the dance as soon as it gets to the ground too. Because like you said, a good fighter is going to get right the fuck back up. But our goal is to hold them there. Otherwise, I just wasted a shitload of energy. Why would I lift him and waste that energy to lift him if he's just going to come right back up? Yeah. Well, I mean, and that goes back to what's any the differentiation between any good wrestler or not is is the chain wrestling and the chain grappling, yes. right? So if you're gonna lift and, and sweep put somebody down, like have a plan. Like I always go to a near mm-hmm. wrist after that happens because they're more than likely gonna post on their elbow or or you can mm-hmm. lift and do that, or you have transition straight into a uh into a hook. You have transitions into different things, but you just you have to have a general plan of where you're going and what you're doing with your your mat return yeah i've been going far side seatbelt recently and that's been working really well nice. where going right after that head and then because they typically are going to try to either stand up or turn in if i get far side seatbelt i can sh- crack them back down onto their butt and then throw my yeah. hooks in so but anyways so realistically when we're talking about a takedown um for for the jiu-jitsu players out there we got to think about it in a few stages my first stage is our setup how are we setting up the takedown? Because if we're shooting, a lot of the times when I see people rolling, again, without a wrestling background, they're just shooting from fucking, every, yeah. like, or they're not shooting at all. But if they are shooting, they're not actually setting up the shot. And the setup is like, I would say, seven-tenths of the battle. Once I get to a leg, for the most part, me personally, if I, if I decide to take a shot, I take like two shots a match, I'm probably going to finish that <laughs> shot. <laughs> but the hard part is getting to the leg and getting through the head and hands defense, getting through those three lines of defense that that person has in front of them. So yeah. the setup is going to be extremely crucial. We've talked about the underhook. That's one of the setups that we've talked about. Uh, we did a whole podcast. So if you haven't referenced that, please go back. That was honestly, I think one of our better podcasts that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like our push pull series, our double inside collar ties. And if you're doing a gi jujitsu, you can use it as you can grab lapels and that's an even better hold that you can get yeah. uh, where you can do like a clock, move it forward and backwards um, and then also we get into our collar tie series as well, where we can do yeah. the collar tie and move them whichever which way we want to, because that allows us to have a base, basically a built-in steering wheel, which is the neck. Yeah. And I mean, and then you can go and do two-on-ones, um, your Russian ties. There's there's a million different setups, but to your point, Austin, like that is where the magic happens. Uh, for me, takedowns are are really hard at first. And then once you shoot, that's that's the easy part, getting in on the legs. If you've done your setup well, getting in on legs is the easy part. And then it gets really hard again to finish, right? So it's it's kind of like really hard, soft, really hard. Like, it's like an Oreo, if you will. Oh, I love that analogy. Analogies, yes. <sighs> so, but the setups, I think, are really tempting to go to as, as you start teaching takedowns. But they're one of the more advanced things about the takedown, right? Because we have some of these we have so many different varieties and things. And the principles I always go back to on a setup is like one, it's better to have inside position, 
no matter what you're doing. Like you want to have inside position with your collars high, with your whatever you have. Um, I disagree, but that's fine. I think it's generally better. I understand I, that I, a lot I'm of attacks from the outside. <laughs> generally better to have inside I'm position. Just fucking with you. Yes, for Please. people that aren't built like me and can move like I do, I would rather them have inside position. And then misdirection is such an underutilized Mm -hmm. tool like again wrestlers like to go straight forward i get it that's the iowa style or whatever but if you can get your opponent guessing and off balance you know it's akin in jujitsu to like baiting a sub for a different sub it's like and i'm going this way for my single and then all of a sudden nope we turned you around and i'm already hit a duck under like it's um that is the principal method of a setup is to get the person moving where you want them to move without them knowing they're doing it. Yeah. I mean, the analogy I always use, and I think we just need to change the thought process behind setups. A lot of people see it as an ancillary um, add on to the takedown. We always want to focus on once we get to the, no, a lot of people do though. They're like, they want to focus on Hey, once I get to the leg, what do I do? Right. But like when you, obviously you've seen Allen Iverson play basketball. When people went to go see Allen Iverson play basketball, they didn't get like, they don't care about him shooting the ball. They cared mm-hmm. about all those fucking dirty ass crossovers, fucking putting mm-hmm. people on their ass, all these different things. And that was the exciting part. The exciting part, if you think about it, was the setup. And we need to get to that point where the exciting part should be the setup. You can make somebody look like a fucking fool if you have a good setup. That's yeah. where you can really embarrass. If you have that gene in you where you want to, once you step on the mat, you want to make them look like the biggest fucking idiot that you possibly can like a lot of good wrestlers do or should, <laughs> then we need to focus on the setups, not the finishes. The finishes yeah. in all reality are the easy part. You get your yeah. hips in, you finish through, you scramble a little bit, make it a little flashy. Why not? But the setup is where you can really get them on that front foot. You can really get them hit a super duck. Boom. A super duck's literally just a setup. Yeah. It's a, it's you set them up going one day, one way with a misdirection. You come out the other way they're falling on their toes. They don't know what the fuck's happening in your body. If you've never seen a super duck, I highly suggest you YouTube that right now. Bubba Jenkins, super duck, the best and clip on the internet. It's so smooth and slick. And then go try one. Cause you feel like a baller when you hit it. It's, mm-hmm. it's so smooth and fluid. And yeah. I hit one a few weeks ago. It was my favorite. I've, I rarely hit super ducks and it, I just felt it. And I went, and right underneath, and I'm like, oh shit, I can still do this. <laughs> yeah, again, because you get that person that's straightforward, and they they think, oh, he's just shooting a you know a low single or a double from distance, and you're like, or a high crash from distance, and you're like, uh, what? Now he's behind me, uh huh. <laughs> but yeah, you, you do your work with the setups, and then the shot and the finish are easy. The, that's that's the uh, the key there. Like, I mean, and the best example, and I don't know, it's kind of like, you know, low-hanging fruit, but like Jordan Burroughs, none of his shots are flashy. Uh, he shoots a straight-on double or he shoots a single or whatever. But his setups and his misdirection are crazy phenomenal. You know, every double he finishes is just straight through, and it looks easy because he's done his – his homework and the setup well and before we leave the setup and move on to the shot the to bring the biomechanics aspect into everything right a lot of setups come from dissociation of the upper limbs and the lower limbs if you notice right so you're able to move the head or move your arms one way you're making a like stupid as fuck i went to henry now that i know him it's i'm like fuck you henry but (laughs) <laughs> I went to a Cejudo camp when I was like 10 and he taught me that like C with the head and he called it yeah. C for Cejudo. And that's what I call it <laughs> since I was 10. Uh, but like you're moving the head one way and you're moving your body the other way. You're snapping them one way and you're moving your legs to get an angle. 
or you're hitting yeah. a misdirection where your feet go one way, but then you really know you're hitting a low single on the other side. So being able to dissociate between your upper limbs and your lower limbs is going to be crucial. And that's where we can get into our different patterning based exercises to help prime those patterns. We can do these different correctives that can allow us to work on the actual brain game that is dissociating the upper body from the lower body. One fantastic way I like to do this is we can add in our a dead bug complex where we're doing opposite side, opposite side, same side, same side. We do it slow and controlled for anywhere between three to six reps all the way through. So all the way through the contralateral, contralateral, ipsilateral, mm -hmm. ipsilateral while maintaining trunk positioning. And what we can also do is we can add in, we could flip that over. We could do low bear, which is essentially just dead bug flipped over and do the same thing. Or we can just do liftoffs. And then on top of that, we can add in our different rotation-based upper body rotating while lower body stays similar or, or stays stable and then vice versa. Lower body rotates while upper body stays the stable base and being yep. able to move through the, that body. And we can integrate in that into rehab but also we can integrate that into training as well. Yeah. And my, my biggest tool or implement to do that is medicine balls. Um, you can do a lot with the stability and rotation on medicine balls. You can add in, you know, we were talking about fast feet earlier, briefly before the podcast, you can integrate some of the fast feet and quote unquote footwork into a medicine ball rotational throw or try and create stability instantaneously with the lower body while you rotationally throw with the upper body. Um, you can do a lot of fun patterns with the med ball and it does train that I guess dissociation. Um, one thing I want to kind of pick your brain on Austin in, in general and strength and conditioning or movement, I've heard you need to teach association before you teach dissociation. Is that I do the that... exact opposite. Okay. Why? Um, I find that um, honestly, I find that people have a harder time with dissociation. So I'd rather teach the one that's, that's, they don't really comprehend. And then it seems to me once they comprehend the dissociation, so we add in our segmental rolling patterns, we add in our dead bug, like think about a dead bug. A dead bug is a contralateral movement. That's essentially dissociation, if you will, right? Yeah. If you're going yeah. opposite side. So that's just stage one of rehab. Like that's, that's just everybody that's ever been a rehab professional knows what a dead bug is. And if you look at most like a bird dog, that's literally the same fucking thing. So everybody says they teach association, but in reality, the first thing they typically teach anybody for low back rehab, trunk rehab, whatever it may be, is dissociation. What do we always need a, much, a lot more of? Thoracic rotation. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of the times thoracic rotation, if you have to have a punctum fixum or a, uh, or a, a stable base, one of the bases has to be stable while the lower body is moving or the upper body is. Well, that's just straight up dissociation if you think about it in a patterning sense. It doesn't have to be a loaded pattern. It's an unloaded pattern as you're going through, like think about like a sideline archer but that is dos dissociation in nature. So a lot of the times I'm, I'm actually doing dissociation, hammering those concepts in and focusing on their trunk being stable while we're dissociating the limbs. Think about not arching, excessively arching the low back and that sideline shoulder sweep is a good example. Um, videos on our building a fighter page. And then focusing on progressing from there into our different association, because for MMA, for wrestling, for jujitsu, a lot of the patterns are actually ipsilateral which are associated patterns. But if you can't separate your limbs, there's no way you can fucking put them together. <laughs> so, like if, if you don't know how to move them independently, how can you ever put them together the best you possibly can if you don't know what the capability of each limb is? And that's, that's in reality, that's my thought process is if you don't know 
the differing availability or the differing strengths of each pattern, you're not going to be able to put them together maximally. So I'd rather teach you the parts and then bring it together as a whole. Yeah, I can get on board with that. I mean, um, I don't, I don't consciously teach a whole lot of us of associative patterns. Um, I think you get that a little bit through just, you know, straight up strength training, right. You know, when we're well, all your, all your med bugs are all your, sorry, all your med ball patterns. Typically, if you're doing like a stepping pass, yeah. so stay, you're, you're, that's an ipsilateral pattern, which is an associative pattern. And if right. I think about, I don't, I guess I don't think about it as associative and dissociative. I think about it as contralateral and ipsilateral. Yeah. And, and I can see that too, but it's just a um, interesting way to kind of divide that up and, and see how you plug and play with it. Because just like you're saying, like I, I, I seldom think associative versus dissociative. But um, when we can analyze movement or when we have a chance to like step back and look at it from this type of lens, then then it's interesting to apply that into what do I actually do? Well, and that's, I mean, in all honesty, that's where my DNS background kind of comes out where like there, I know there's other ways to think about it. SFMA, if you're an SFMAite or like a FMS or a Greg Cook kind of guy, like that's, you're going to think about associative dissociate. I think a lot less and whether it's good or bad, who knows? I, I could be wrong. I'm totally fine saying that, but I think yeah. a, a lot less about that than I do about, Hey, this is a movement pattern in nature, total body wise. How can we mimic a sport? So if we're in camp or if we're trying to help performance, I'm going to mimic their sport. So ipsilateral patterning, or if we're trying to decrease tension on the system, or if we're trying to decrease pain, or if we're trying to correct a movement pattern for the most part, um, or correct a, a isolated movement, I'm going to teach the opposite, which would be a contralateral pattern. Um, and that's, for the most part, why I start at the contralateral pattern. Because most of the times when people come, to, or uh, yeah, that's uh, the contralateral pattern. Because most of the time when people come to see me, they're coming at the start to fix their movement patterns. And then it just turns into me focusing on working their strength conditioning and all these different things just yeah. naturally. Yeah. And I think um, one point, one point to wrap this up too. And I think contralateral patterns are a little bit more natural and easier to grasp. So I think 100%. that's also, also a good place to start in your progression that way. So. Cause that's walking, bro. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I just, we always did it with running sports when we're trying to teach um, better running mechanics for some of the field sport athletes that, I, that I've worked with. We always start contralateral because that is the moving pattern of running. So for sure. Um, all right. So going in from the setups, which is what we were talking about this whole time. Now we're getting into our yes. shots. I want to highlight personally, at least I want to highlight obviously the main shots, the double leg, the single leg and the high crotch. Are there any other shots that you really want to focus on? Um, you got to talk about your stupid fucking duck under. I don't know if that's a shot. That's that's more of an upper body. Um, yeah, it's passive. a back take. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think a low single is very common. I don't think it's very common in like an MMA jiu-jitsu population. But Dude, you know, that's my thing. That's the only shot I, know, I, I take. Know. I was surprised when you didn't say it, so settle down. <laughs> um, but then other shots, uh, yeah. I, I, I like. I think an underutilized shot uh, in MMA and we don't have to go too far down this rabbit hole, but as a snatch single, I think that's, that's there un- a lot. You think that's underutilized? Oh, yeah. I guess in the current, yeah, in the current paradigm it is. Uh, we I actually was having that talk with Santino recently. Um, a lot of singles haven't been hit. A, a lot of guys are just trying to hit a blast double and put people on the cage and then work from there. Yeah. And that's such a waste of energy. And that's, <laughs> that's a huge time investment. Yeah. Cause then, but, I mean, I mean, Let's be honest, the goal 
in that scenario is not to get an actual takedown. The goal is to soak some time, show gauge control, yeah. and again, control the position and control where the fight is taking place. So uh, I think right. the the motivation for a takedown is a little bit less there. Um, well, but let's go through let's go through quickly a, a double, single, and high crotch and, and why those are the, the foundation of a lot of shots and takedowns. Yeah, so, I mean, do you want to talk about the double legs since that's your thing? Sure. Um, cool. Starting off a, a setup, the uh, I think the key thing to a double leg is changing your level. So your penetration step and your, your level change, but then also making sure that you've gauged uh, space adequately. A double leg works because you get in deep enough or you uh, catch a person off balance. A double leg does not work when it becomes a football tackle or when it becomes somebody trying to or somebody knowing that it's coming. Right. Yeah. So um, I guess super basic. We start with the penetration step, which is um, a lead leg step in between your opponent's two legs. And then with that comes the level change. So we drop our knees, drop our ass to the ground. Um, one of the best analogies that I've ever heard is you pretend like your ball sack weighs 300 pounds and then you drop. <laughs> so um, that again, offsets the level. If you've done your job with the setup, the hands and the head are no longer a defensive threat anymore. Now you just have to worry about the hips. Um, and then obviously double legs. So we're trying to take both legs at a time. You use your head and your ear to finish and push to the opposite side. Um, again, if you're finishing well, your hands are wrapped all the way down fr from the hips down to the calves or the ankles. And then from there, there's a multitude of finishes. But, I mean, that's that's as basic and as fundamental as double leg gets, but that's also, I think, as fancy as it needs to get. You can add your flares through setups, add your flares through different types of finishes, depending on what position you want to end up in. And that's what Austin was saying about controlling position. So um, good old double leg. And I've been taught recently, too, um, in jujitsu and I, I'm sure MMA, a blast double where you put your – your forehead and the kind of uh, apex of their chest or the, the crown of their the chest. Right. So like a traditional blast double in my way of thinking is a safer alternative mm -hmm. than a head through double. Like we do in wrestling a lot where you put your head to the side and drive laterally because your head in the center of the body um, eliminates a lot of threats of the guillotine, a lot of threats of the chokes. And also it's a lot harder to strike in, when you put your head right in the center of somebody's chest, like you're not, all right, why, why do you disagree with me on? What about that knee though? Well, don't get hit with the knee, but if your head's in the center <laughs> of the chest, good talk, good talk. There you go. Um, <laughs> if your head's in the center of the chest, there's a lot less um, range of motion for punches, I guess is, is what we're primarily talking about. So for sure. Um, the biggest thing that I, I see with double eggs, that the difference between how I was taught from a strictly wrestling background and then going into different obviously submission based grappling is getting your hands locked on your double a lot of the times we like when i was taught like exactly what alex was saying you snake both legs you're around the knee not ever going up by the ass um, yeah. and then focusing on snaking the legs and almost like almost like trying to make a pivot or like a post to drive yeah. over the top of so the, um, they couldn't sprawl or step back a hundred percent but then when we get into to mma and we get into jujitsu that opens up a, like if if we're trying to snake the legs that opens up a lot of scrambles yeah or that opens up um their ability to then pull guard or get into the position they want to get into right yeah. so typically 
well, typically when I was going to say people are less likely to sprawl in that sense. And they're a little bit more likely to soak or like you said, a hundred percent. So a lot, typically if we're teaching a double for MMA or we're teaching a double for jujitsu, uh, a lot of the times we're going to have them lock their hands, try to get their hands locked behind the, like the hamstrings up to the, to the butt. And that allows us to get into that good, comfortable side control or that half guard that we want to get into on the finish. So that eliminates them being able to pull full guard right away. Cause if I'm just snaking, if I had a double leg blast double and I snake the legs, they're going to pull full guard on me. I don't necessarily want to be there from in a jujitsu competition. Yeah. There's people that are really fucking good from full guard. I can tell you what, I guarantee a lot of those guys are not as good from half guard, <laughs> <laughs> especially against a rest or against a, a heavy top pressure grappler. Yeah. So that's where if I'm, if I'm hitting a double, granted, I don't hit doubles. I'm point blank. Say it. I don't fuck yeah. doubles. I, I don't do it, but I can teach it. And, and when I do teach it, because it's a valuable skill to have for competitors nowadays, uh, we need to be able to get those hands locked. And then that's what allows us to either elevate, sag, whatever it may be. But we don't have to worry as much about a sprawl because we're pulling ourselves in with those locked hands instead of letting them sprawl on top. Yeah. And I think I think you you mentioned a key point, like hands behind the knees or the hamstrings. I think that's a that's the best location for them because, you know, if we go down to the ankles, then we're playing a whole different game where the offensive guy has, or the defensive guy, excuse me, has so many different submission based or that is escapes more or less Scram- scramble city. Exactly. Baby. Yeah, exactly. But if we take our hands up to like a body lock, which I see super frequently in MMA, mm-hmm. we're trying to finish a double with our hands all the way up around the hips, almost the low back. Then there's such a solid foundation under the defensive wrestler. And it's so much more of a low percentage takedown in itself. So, um, that's that's one of the questions that that I've, I've talked about with Scotty, who was on just last last week, two weeks ago, somewhere. Two weeks ago. Um, but I, I was like, everybody MMA just goes straight to the the seatbelt, goes straight to trying to get a body lock, and it's like, and they they're missing out on a lot of these double finishes, and and we went through like a whole pros cons, like what's happening. It's like if you finish quickly from that double leg position and you stay around the knees, then that's a, a great modality. If you're looking for just control and time, then go up to the waist. Like yep. that was always, cause that was always a cardinal sin in wrestling. Anytime you're 100%. trying to go behind, you throw your hand up around the low back. You just opened up their hips to play defense, right? Yeah. Well, you're going to get fucking wizard kicked. Exactly. Um, so it's an interesting position to play around with from like a, a purely wrestling sense to an MMA sense. Um, well, and the other thing about hands locked is cage wrestling. Cause we got to bring cage wrestling in. And at, yeah, like yes. I've said on here multiple times, that's something that I, I find myself fairly proficient at um, having learned with Santino. And if we're on the cage, if I get my hands locked, I can get that Khabib scorpion real quick. Right. I have already have the legs bundled. All I need to do is step over that bundle and I can lock that down. If I don't have my hands locked, they can get as wide as possible. And I'm not able to then bundle those legs and control that position where I push them against the cage, go high ground, and then I can strike from there. So it's an easy way to, like I said, our takedowns need to set up what we do on the ground. It's, I need to control the feet and the ground, but then I also, once it gets to the ground, I need to control that situation. So how do I set myself up for the best scenario possible? And that's where I, if I get my hands locked, and I know that I'm a pressure fighter, then I can get those legs bundled, lock those up and beat the fuck out of somebody on the cage. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another kind of caveat to finishing straight forward versus finishing to the side. Um, obviously, you're going to end up in the on the cage a lot, but finishing 
laterally so a lateral drive where you can actually almost like whip the legs off to the side yeah and push old school yourself, daniel cormier again yeah and put yourself straight into a side uh side control that's money right yeah. and and it again deters the the threat of the guillotine because you're not finishing with your head up straight through so um again think of what position you want to end up on the ground and how can you set yourself up for success on the takedown yes sir now let's get to my favorite Single, single legs, legs. single leg. All right. So single leg takedown. So there's a couple different ways we can do it. Right. So like Alex alluded to the low single, that was my favorite, but it's not a very transferable skill into jujitsu or into MMA. What that is for the listeners that don't know, it's I'm doing a full elevation change, actually a good video to watch would be John Smith. He has a lot of good tutorials on YouTube. The um, king of the uh, yeah, low he's the, single. Yeah, he's the king of the low single. He's the guy that made it popular. He's also one of the winningest wrestlers in fucking American history. So if you haven't watched this stuff, please go do it if you like grappling. Uh, but you change your level all the way down to the ground. Think about it like an elevator. You're dropping to the ground floor, and then you're exploding forward towards an ankle, trying to bundle up one and then collect both. Typically is how it's done. Sometimes you end up in like a, a inverted, like a, a kneeling north-south position. Um, if, if you don't bundle the other leg quick enough, or if you want to come out the back and then, yeah. And then from there, we're trying to get behind and then either like, typically it's a good freestyle move. So we can go right into our leg or our leg laces. Um, but in MMA and jujitsu, as I found out multiple times, I can get triangled if I sit there too long. So please, yes. So, so please don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I've, I've tried to, to finish and there, if you get there quick enough and you transition, there's a, a nice little knee bar that you can maybe pull off. Like yeah. when you step over, right. But yeah, you're just at such a risk when you're trying to finish through the legs like that. If I do hit it nowadays, I immediately isolate both legs. I have one up on my shoulder and then the yeah. other one I'm, I'm fishing for an ankle. I'm like, no, stay away, <laughs> stay away. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I again, still shy away from that because the triangle is so prevalent. Um, dude i'm here to do cool shit nowadays i ain't here to win i i tell everybody i ain't here to win anymore i've ended up in three inverted triangles the last week and i don't know how i got there but i was just holding it i'm like this is cool i don't know how to finish this but this is cool (laughs) for sure Um, um what other modification or what other renditions of the single leg do you got yeah. So realistically, what's going to be the most transferable for both jujitsu and for MMA is going to be our snatch single. I don't yeah. like when, when I'm coaching wrestling for, for MMA or jujitsu for that matter. I don't want you to touch your knees unless you absolutely have to. I'm not a big fan of a penetration stuff. What, what, what I do want to get across in this podcast and what I do think is a better option is going to be what, what I learned is a Cuban step. Uh, a lot of people call it a Russian step. I've lovingly now called it because of both Cuban and Russian connections, the communism step. Um, <laughs> gets a lot, la- gets a laugh Beautiful. every time. Uh, but it's essentially, so we're doing, it's a good way to close distance. So something that the Russia, that what the Soviet system found out is we can do a couple different things. We can either hit a penetration step. What's the point of a penetration step? It's to close distance and get our hips underneath us. That's the whole point. It allows us to get in on the athlete that we're on our opponent. We can do the same thing by doing a foot replace. So instead of me taking that step forward with my front foot and trying to elongate myself to cover ground, what I can do is I can bring my back foot, my back toe. So my big toe almost touches my front heel. What that does is it keeps my hips under, or I guess over the top of my feet. So I'm never off balance in any way, shape or form, but it allows me to have a springboard off of that back foot and explode in on my single leg 
or on my double leg or whatever it may be. Um, I actually hit it a lot when I'm digging an underhook because it allows me, it, it's almost like a surprise where if they don't expect me to dig an underhook from that far away and I can do that foot replace or that communi- communist step and then I can get my underhook and focus on trying to control from there. But if, if you close your eyes, listen to my voice, imagine what's going on. I'm tying up, I'm moving around. My back foot comes to my front foot. So my big toe touches my heel. And then from there, my front foot, I explode off my back foot. My front foot tries to get close to their front foot. My head is on the inside or the outside. I prefer it on the inside for hitting the single leg. And then from there, we grab that shot. So instead of me doing a full knee on the ground penetration step, I'm going to do that foot replace and then cover the distance that way. That allows me to stay on my feet and eliminate getting sprawled on top of and getting my head stuffed to the ground. And that opens up the Darces, the guillotines of the world. Yeah. And I think an important distinction to make, um, again, for like wrestling, again, in my case, 101 or like one of the important parts is on the double leg, as I was describing your penetration step, you can hit the same step on a double leg, but the double leg, your foot goes in between the legs right. in, be- yep. in between your opponent's legs and you're trying to attack them their midline versus on the single leg or when you're doing your your, your communist step you're trying to step outside of their legs or on their toes right am i yep. correct in saying that yeah, yeah. So. i mean you, you could do either but i i prefer you stepping on the toes if not a little bit outside yeah um because then you can bring your other leg and you yeah. can finish different ways yeah, and i've always stepped outside on single legs like if you're attacking a single leg you're stepping outside. So whether it was like a sweep single and like your um, low single or the snatch single, it's always an outside step for the single leg. So, well, and what, uh, so what, where I want to go with the single leg and why I think it's super important is the single leg is, <laughs> we've talked about setups. The single leg is the best setup out there, right? If I can get to that one leg, if I can control your one leg, then everything from there is easy. I can set up where I want to go after that point in time. So if I hit that, if I hit that foot replace, that, that commie step, boom, I get that leg. I can decide, do I want to go to the body or do I want to stay on the leg? Do I want a bar cigar switch to two legs? Do I want to dump you and sit you on your ass and then get into a half guard or side control position or a ground and pound? Do I want to come inside? I open up and hit inside trip right away. Do I want to sit you and go to a front headlock? It opens up all of these different options that allow me to control the dance instead of you controlling the dance. So the only thing, the only downside I see a lot of the times with single legs or high crotches in nature are if you, if you're fighting or grappling or whatever against a scrambly guy, a lot of the times the single leg, what eliminated me. So if you've never seen me wrestle, I was the scrambling motherfucker. I'm, I'm hard to take down. As soon as you get on my legs, I typically score. The thing that eliminated me scrambling is double legs. If you hit a single leg on me, whoo, we gonna have some fun, but in reality, if you hit it right, you can eliminate the scramble. So if you get up high into the leg, you're up almost like a, like that groin area. That's really hard to scramble out of because that eliminates an entire leg length. Instead of if I can push you down to my knee, I have a lot of my body to work with yeah. scrambling. You need to, you got to make them as short as possible. If you let them be long in a scramble, a good scrambler is going to win if they get to be long. If you make them short, it's really hard. So if we can do what I would recommend and where I want to go with this and and why I like talking about the single leg is use your single leg as a setup. Know that in jujitsu and in MMA, it's very different than wrestling where chain wrestling isn't common. It's, it's kind of the exception, not the norm, unfortunately. 
because we want chain wrestling to be the i mean when you watch a good wrestler chain wrestling is where it's at right that's where you get all these different takedowns but when we watch an mma fighter if we watch a a, a jiu-jitsu match a lot of the times chain wrestling on the feet is kind of an afterthought it's not as common it's not as commonly done well i guess i would say yeah so use your single leg stop thinking about it as your finishing shot think about it as your setup shot your single leg opens the door for you to get where you want to be it doesn't necessarily have to be a i hit a single leg and oh he i finished my single leg it's i hit a single leg now i have all these different options to finish my shot to the ground yeah and i think i think that's just like that's the next level of thought right that's where where people should be in their development um, but I want to take a step back to and, and talk about the finishes off the single leg. What are some of those transitionary finishes that we can end up in a good position on the ground? Like, um, and I know you just went through a lot of them, but um, I want to go specifically off a dump because I see that one <laughs> attempted, executed there, here or there, probably the most out of any uh, finish on a single leg. So once we get the single leg and we've isolated the leg, we've picked it up, we have the ankle locked and, and we have both hands on the leg that's in the air. Your opponent's only on one foot. Um, a dump finish is where I kind of cinch down onto the leg. I take a back and rotational step, get their body to follow. And it's almost like we're sitting the opponent straight onto their ass, right? So we're pulling them down and back. They fall down to their ass. In my mind, that's where we go straight into a half guard or side control yep. um, and follow down with them. Um, what I guess, what's your your thoughts on um, following down like that? Is there a better place to be or to end up? And uh, what do you think it is? Well, so first of all, I want to talk about the finish, right? And you said some key points that get overlooked a lot when I when I'm full. Mm. Notice how he said down and back, right? So it is not just one plane of movement. That's what I was alluding yes. to at the beginning. It is, it's not just spinning them in a fucking circle. Think about it like you're screwing something into the ground. There has to be pressure down while it rotates in. That's the only way a screw goes in, right? So it's the exact same thing. We need to sit them where there's downward pressure, but also rotatory pressure because that's what gets the opponent off balance. That's what locks that hip that you have into external rotation and, and flexion and allows us to then make the hip a lever, not make it the hip a uh, pl- almost like jelly if you will. We want to make it as rigid as possible. And that's how we get that actual dump finish. Now, moving on to the question, what I think the, the, there's, there's two things that I like with the dump and, and there's a bunch of different ways to do it. But what I, what I see very, very common, I guess I'll go three. So the first one is you dump them and you stay on your feet. You can hold on to that foot, use that as a steering wheel, and you can start landing ground and pound. This is if you're a wrestler against a jujitsu practitioner and you don't necessarily want to engage on the ground, but you can control that foot, make sure that they can't get to your feet and go for some dirty ass leg locks. Some inverted, inverted hippie hippie bastards, the leg lock. But make sure that you talk about takedowns in jujitsu. Yeah. But as we, as we stay away from, as long as we keep our feet back, we can land some really good ground and pound right there because we have a steering wheel. We can control that ankle. We can move where that ankle goes. And then we can start landing some bombs, at least one or two. It opens up one or two free shots to allow us to get into where we Mm -hmm. The second one, just uh, coming from the grappler in me or as the wrestler in me, I want to get to half guard, not side control. If I'm side control with a good jujitsu practitioner, they're probably getting up relatively fast. If I'm in half guard, I can lock down that leg and control that position a little bit better. And, and I always think of things as an MMA lens that allows me to then posture up and ground and pound a little bit better. 
Side control is actually relatively hard to ground and pound from because their hips have a lot more movement capability. Yes, I would agree with you there that the side control is a lot more controlling in that sense. It's a lot more stable. Yeah. So like in or half guard. Um, Sorry, you're right. You're right. Half guard. Yes. Yeah. So realistically, what I'm going to do is I hit that dump and immediately I'm pushing that dump towards my inside leg. So say I hit it. I hit the dump on his left leg. His left leg is in the air. I'm going to push his leg towards my left leg as I jump on top to cover my finish. And that's going to end me up. I can hook that leg immediately and lock down that half guard. So, and there's a billion different ways to do it. I'm not a jujitsu practitioner. I'm a wrestler. So I'm probably not the right person to tell you how to lock that down, but I, I, I make a figure four and then I lace that leg on top. So I'm doing two different locks. The other thing that I think, um, again, I think is inherent from wrestling that again, like a, a small little detail that you pointed out, like coming down and back and, and taking in a, a rotational fashion, you can hit that dump finish when they have their foot in between your legs as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you hit that, a, a good defensive player, when they have one leg elevated, is going to try and get their foot in between your legs or in between your two bodies. Right. Yep. So they're going to try and create space using their foot. With the, when they put their foot between your legs, you can clinch down, you know, squeezing both knees together and clinch on that foot, which again is going to lock the foot or dock the whole leg into external rotation or into one position. And then you can use your torso and your head to come down and back with that dump. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, speaking to going down into um, side con- or sorry, jeepers, half guard, speaking down, going down in half guard, that's as you're already there. You already have one leg in and one leg out. So it doesn't have to be from a, an open foot or you don't have to try to make that transition while you go down. So again, use your single leg as a setup, put it in between your legs, finish from there. And then you're already in your half guard. Bingo. And then the last one I want to talk about is uh, going from that dump. Maybe we got a little bit of space, kind of like that first situation where if we, we do that dump and we end up almost like we're trying to ground and pound in that situation but I have the leg as a steering wheel. Well, guess what? I still have an ankle and I get to pick where that fucking ankle goes. So I'm going to push it across his body, which then gives me his back. Yeah. And then I have options there. So I can step into that dope mount or that, uh, I think it's like a three quarter guard or something like some, I don't know the actual name of it. I know it's in 10th planet system. It's called dope mount <laughs> where you push it across. He's almost doing like uh, like a spine stretch. Yeah. And then you can lock down that bottom leg or knowing that, he's going to not want to be there. He's going to give you his back and then we can take the back. So what we do is we hit that dump. Boom. We have that space. I'm on the feet. He's on the ground. My hand that's on the foot is going to push his foot across his body. And then I have two options. I can either drop immediately and try to lock down that dope mount where I'm locking the bottom leg and keeping his hip elevated and across his body turned or knowing that he's not going to be there and he's probably just going to turn anyways wait for him to turn and then jump on that far side seatbelt right away um, and focus on that far side control. And then I can go after all my back taking maneuvers or throw my hooks in, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So realistically, that's if, if we're just doing a single leg to a dump, those are the three ways I would want you to finish once you get to the ground, because that's going to be the best bang for your buck as far as, Hey, this is a dominant position that I can score from. Yeah. And take advantage of, like you said, all the work that you did to finish your single leg, to get in on your finish leg or get on your single leg, take advantage of all that work by ending up in a good position, a dominant position and and chain it all together. Right. Like Santino says all the time, he's like, look, you don't get like, we're not just passing to get three points in a jujitsu match, right? (laughs) right. (laughs) Like we want to, 
when we end up in a position, I don't care if you get into side control. I, I really don't. Yeah. We're not passing for points. We're passing for domination. We're passing for striking opportunities. Yeah. And that's what we want to think about when we finish our shots. Yeah, absolutely. I say it all the time in the weight room is, is good position um, preempts good movement, but it, it's 100% applicable in the sports skill as well. You know, if you're intentional with your position, another huge takeaway we had from the underhook for intentional with our position, that means we're intentional with our process and where we want to go, where we want to end up. So be intentional with finishing single leg. So what I think is going to be a good way to wrap this podcast up, Austin, is we'll go through our kind of the same progression with our high crotch and uh, talk about that technically. And then we'll come back for a part two, where we talk about a lot of the biomechanics, healthcare, strength training side of this. Okay. Do you like that less? Yeah, no, that'll work. It's, it's right, gonna high, have to. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, high crotch. Talk about it. What we got here? Talk about the high crotch. Um, high crotch is a you know blending of the two. It is a it is a outside step single with your head on the outside, and then you transition. And I I was always taught a bar cigar finish, so you transition your hands into a double leg and finish laterally. So it's a hybrid of the two but it opens up a lot of options um for you on offense and it can confuse the guy on defense because it's it's not a straightforward double it's also not i'm just going for one leg it's a a way to mix up your attack to transition um and also enable yourself a lot of finishing variables so just like i said i'm, I'm taking an outside step i'm shooting my hand just like the name says high through their crotch. So I'm going, um, high thigh and through, and then wrapping my other hand around that leg. So again, start with the single leg. And then, you know, if you get stuck there, whatever happens, you can finish the single leg, but I've always been taught. Ideally we transition the outside hand now has the leg that we initially attacked the inside hand transitions across to the other leg and we can drive through and finish a double that way. Um, which again, done well and executed well is, uh, a beautiful TikTok for sure. Um, realistically, when I hit a high crotch, I'm focusing on trying to keep my head high and tight, and that opens up a lot of capabilities. So yeah. if I'm hitting that, and and honestly, I've been teaching. I say I, we as a collective have been teaching a high crotch a lot more than a head inside single, just because the knees are so prevalent right now in MMA. The paradigm mm-hmm. has shifted to where less people are sprawling and more people are kneeing. <laughs> so where, where do you do you see a guillotine coming into play a lot of times there because i'm a lot more afraid of a knee than a guillotine <laughs> I mean, because again because yeah. again you get to dictate where you finish right if you get to yeah. the far side if you get to the far side i mean they're probably if if you have if you're worth your your salt at all you're probably not getting finished from a far side guillotine yeah um so, but what I like about the high crotch is that it opens up a lot of capabilities. We can stay on the legs or we can cut the corner, go right up to the body. If we have the back or we can come, if we have the head on the outside, there's, there's one that angel actually coaches really well. And I I've never seen it the way he shows it, where you're snaking your arm instead of doing a bar cigar, where you come in front and drive through like a mm-hmm. double, yeah. you snake your arm through the leg and you're doing almost like a rotatory step. So you're yeah. snaking through, getting to the front of the knee from the back, and then you're rotating down and you have their back already. Yeah. Um, so that that's a fantastic finish. But what I like about the high crotch is that it's very versatile. Mm-hmm. It's just like I talked about with this with the single. The high crotch is just a head outside single. They're this exact, they're the same fucking thing. Yeah. So it allows us a lot of options if we use the high crotch as a setup. 
instead of trying to finish just off of a head outside single, that opens up a lot of doors, right? So something that I teach and something that I've been doing very, very prevalently is that if I'm hitting a head on the outside single or a high crotch, boom, I'm going to come up to the back. As soon as I, as soon as I come up to the back and I'm in space, they don't want to be there. So typically they're going to turn into me. And then knowing that they turn into me, I can drop straight down right into my hands locked double bundle their legs up and then go straight into a control position. So it's just using, using your high crotch as your chain wrestling entrance, not your chain wrestling exit yep. for the most part. And, and one thing I guess taking a step back that I like to think about the high crotch is I utilize a high crotch a lot more from a close distance. Um, yeah. When you're pulling through a duck under, when you're doing a, a slide by or you're um, hitting a, a arm drag, um, all of that stuff opens up one side of the body and, you, and your head's already on the outside. So you can hit a high crotch from that, um, that near position uh, setup. So mm-hmm. getting into that high crotch, like Austin said, like I said, initially, it just opens up so many different finishes. That's why, you know, it's, it's a less prevalent um, wrestling technique because it is uh, more complex, but it also can throw your opponent off a ton because they don't know where I'm going, where I'm finishing, what I could do versus what my plan is. Right. It's just keep them guessing. I will say though, this is the most, so the high crotch is the most scrambly of the positions that, that if you hit a high crotch on me, I will almost guarantee you, you will not finish a high crotch on me. Just you're going to try and sit around to the back immediately. A hundred percent. And so you got to know that when you're hitting it. So that's Mm -hmm. why I said the head position is so important. And not just the head position, but your shoulder position. If your lead shoulder, so that inside shoulder, ever gets outside of Hips. midline, yeah. if it if it gets to the top of the hip crest or even past it, bro, bail the fuck out. You're screwed. Yeah, because <laughs> you're you're gonna get scrambled on. You're gonna get sat. Uh, a, a fantastic person that does this in MMA is Adrian Key. He's really, really good at this, where if you hit a high crotch in any way, shape, or form, he's going to try to cut the corner and get into his scrambly jujitsu that he does very, very well. I mean, he's 19 and 0 for a reason. Um, But make sure when you are hitting this that there's steps in place and you have a plan. Something that I know we're running short on time right now, but something that I tell all my guys is have a flow chart. When I'm wrestling, I've talked about it before. Like when I'm on top and I have one hook in, in wrestling, I can close my eyes and I can bet you I can turn because I have a flow chart in my head. If you fight my wrists, I'm going to go to your neck. If you fight my, if you fight off the neck, then I'm going to go after that twister. If you fight off that twister, then I'm going to go to the leg. I have a sequencing yeah. order that I go. Th- the same thing should be said for a high crotch. If you don't have a sequencing order where you feel comfortable, where you know what your go-tos are, then you're kind of just shooting dartboards in the fucking dark, right? Yeah. And, and I've thought actually a lot about your, um, your flow chart method. And I think what I do specifically and what I think I, I try and coach people to do is you have certain flow charts, but certain flow charts are your favorite flow charts and your best mm-hmm. executed ones for a reason. Like uh, for me, it, it was an underhook flow chart that I could, you know, recite and show anybody and teach anybody all the time. Like that was my, my go-to. Um, but within that flow chart, you have to know when is the optimal time to bail to be like, I'm no longer advantaged in this. I need to stop. Or the better that you get at wrestling and the more tools that you add to your tool belts, the more flow charts you get and the more variety off each flow chart that there is. And that's when you start connecting them. And that's, again, what we've been talking about this whole time. That's the high level wrestling, the chain wrestling, the the setups for the next position. Um, so it, it's building out those flow charts with multiple options that connect to each other That um, and you grow your flow chart. So um, I think... 
that's a lot of good systems for the takedowns and, and it's a lot of a good one-on-one, but I mean, get in the gym and practice it. Like if you're a jujitsu guy and you're uncomfortable on your feet, you know, talk to a wrestler. Like uh, that's yeah. literally what you learn from day one in wrestling is, is takedowns. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, there's the knowledge out there. I think it's just exactly what we talked about. Applying it to different contexts is, is huge. For sure. Well, so please, this is our takedown episode. This was part one. We're going to get a part two where we're talking about the strength conditioning behind finishing takedowns, as well as common injuries and common risks of hitting yeah. takedowns or being taken down. Um, and that'll be coming uh, next week. We definitely nerded out on the uh, the wrestling techniques a little bit, which is cool. I love it. We dude. rarely talk about this and I love the coaching side of what I do. And I really yeah. get to talk about it. Um, actually, I think the first time I actually talked about it was when Scotty was on. <laughs> which was a nice change of pace too. Cause yeah. I think, I think we should do that where we get more skill coaches or athletes on that can, I don't know. I mean, as much as our lens is the, the physical preparation for the sport of MMA, mm-hmm. I think it, it would be worthwhile to get the sport view of it a little yeah, bit. Cause I don't, I don't plan on stopping skill coaching anytime soon. <laughs> right. <laughs> Put a lot of time into it the last year and a half, mm-hmm. but all right. So this is the takedown episode. This is building a fighter. Please like share, subscribe, do all the cool things that allow us to talk to your friends. Cause we want to become friends with them. The more people we talk to, the more we grow. And the more we can elevate the sport of MMA, jiu-jitsu, grappling, boxing, all these different sports that go into combat sports, um, like, share, subscribe, as well as if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating. That's the best thing that we know of to boost our SEO. Uh, if you have any questions, our contact information is in the show notes. You want to talk about anything takedowns? You want to tell us that we don't know shit? We, we accept hate mail and fan. Mail. <laughs> uh, but if, if you got any questions, please shoot them over. Uh, Instagram is probably the best way to get to us as well as we have those programs available. If you want to get any of those programs, those are on buildingafighter.com. We have custom programs, team programs, uh, pre-made month, month by month. As far as in camp versus out of camp, we have jujitsu mobility. We have a low back program. We have a jujitsu mobility membership coming out in the near future. That'll be updated monthly. So check out, check that out if you haven't, because the website is popping. This is Building a Fighter, Dr. Austin Shane. Alex Friedman. And we are out. Mm-hmm.